Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Fearless Questions podcast, where we follow our questions to freedom. You guys, today we are so lucky to have Carl Medeiros with us. Carl, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's a sunny day in Dubai. <laughs> Stop. Your sunny day in Dubai, and it's like in the middle of the night here in Indianapolis. So <laughs> I know. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, I think no, the worst. The worst day in Dubai is better than. Uh, no, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the winter hasn't been too bad for here in Indy. Um, but you get. Let me just kind of introduce you guys. Carl is an amazing guy. Um, he pretends to be a little bit Clark Kentish, but he's actually much more superhero, um, minus the cape, I think. But uh, Carl is an expert in Arab American and. Uh, Muslim Christian relations. He's the author of a bunch of books that you should check out. Um, you've got a tremendous annual conference called the Simply Jesus Gathering. Um, and one of my favorites is that you're sort of a backroom peacemaker with Israeli and Palestinian folks. Um, and I think you met the Pope last year. So you're pretty much filling up the resume really quickly here. <laughs> yeah, the Pope and I go golfing on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? You've been closer than I have, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, I've, I first met Carl when a friend loaned me a copy of a DVD training series. I think it might have been called Engaged. I think that's what it was um, with yeah. you and Jay Pathak. And yeah. uh, really enjoyed that. And after doing some studying on Islam and the Quran and spending some time in Muslim communities overseas, I wanted to hear more. And I came across, um, you were offering at the time a college course on Jesus in a Muslim context, which, which I sat in on, audited and loved it. And then I started reading some of your other books, speaking of Jesus adventures and saying yes. And, um, and then through our mutual friend, Scott, I even got to end up serving some, uh, Syrian refugees outside the Zatari, uh, in Mafrak, Jordan, which was a tremendous experience. And so, First, just let me say thanks for you being willing to share your time with us, Carl. Yeah, for sure, Jeff. Thank you. Yeah. And now I know you're asked to share your stories and speak all over the world, and I, I really appreciate your willingness to kind of share them again with us today because while they're familiar to you, so many people listening have never heard them. I think it's uh, something that our hearts and minds, um, sometimes we're closed off to peoples and parts of the world that uh, that maybe we don't need to be. And so, uh, you know, you're this kid from Nebraska growing up, right? And you decide you're going to yep. spend your life in the Middle East. And um, what, uh, where'd that come from? Like, why did you go overseas? <laughs> I mean, that, that has to be, I, I think God has to be in the answer there somewhere because there's, there's really no, there's no obvious reason why a hick from the sticks of a small town in Nebraska who never knew any Muslims or people of other colors or race, religion, anything would end up in the Middle East other than, other than God. So, I think that is the actual answer is that at a pretty young age, I felt just this uh, uh, stirring or calling or nudging, whatever uh, that I assumed was from God to live my life overseas in a, uh, in a Muslim context or maybe an Arab context or somewhere in the Middle East, uh, met a wonderful lady who became my wife who, who uh, didn't initially agree with exactly that. Uh, that, that idea, but um, but but wanted to go somewhere. It was adventurous, and so we ended up in Beirut. Just, I mean, you know, obviously I missed a few steps in there, but but we did. We, <laughs> next thing you know, we're living in Beirut, Lebanon, and and uh, whenever there were two little girls, and had our third uh, child, their son was born actually in Damascus, Syria, and uh, lived in Beirut for twelve years. Now 
now in Dubai. So there you go. There's my life, and I think we're done now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think there's a few more passport stamps in there, but uh, f- maybe f- <laughs> fair, fair enough. Um, well, you're you're living in Lebanon for a long time. Would you just at least give just kind of fly by what you did while you were in Lebanon? Because I wonder if what you do today seems like it's shifted a little bit, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you know. If you rewind the tape and, and looked at my life in 1992, that, that's when we moved to Beirut, I think you would have seen Carl just as a, a fairly typical, traditional, uh, evangelical Christian missionary. And if you'd asked me what I was doing in Beirut, I would have said church planting. And you know maybe said, said I would have said converting uh, Muslims to become Christians, probably would have said that. And with good intentions and best heart and best motives. And, um, you know, the funny thing is we got over there and we were pretty good. I was, I was well-trained. I was a, vi- a vineyard pastor. I grew up as some was a God kind of went non-denominational for a few years, then landed in a, in a church group called the vineyard, which my vineyard experience was kind of charismatic light. It wasn't the crazy wild uh, fringe of the vineyard and it wasn't the real conservative, uh, you know, the vineyard can be kind of like saying you're Baptist. I could be almost anything, really. But mine was kind of a middle of the road. I would say, you know, Bible teaching, Bible believing, one hand raised half high during worship. <laughs> you know, kind of that, that was me. You know, not too wild, but, you know, a little charismatic, but not too much. <laughs> so <laughs> trying to define who I was there. Uh, and uh, and if you'd asked me then, that's what I was doing. I was I was pretty well trained. I was ordained. Uh, as a pastor, I'd been well trained as a missionary. I'd spent some time with YWAM, with Youth with a Mission, uh, in the Middle East and in Europe, and had been an evangelism explosion uh, trainer. So I trained people in our churches how to how to you know reach the lost and get them saved, and went off to Beirut with all of that and a team and an amazing wife. And uh, you know we got there and it wasn't working, and we we're realizing that. I mean, somehow I'd missed the memo that Muslims don't want to convert to Christianity. Muslims are, <laughs> you know, they have a they have a religion already. I, I, somehow I'd missed that in all my training. I just I just thought I'd show up and Carl, the missionary, uh, the Christian missionary from Colorado, I've had since moved to Colorado from Nebraska. Okay. Would you know? I, I would explain to them that Christianity is actually much better than Islam, <laughs> and they would say. Wow, gee, Carl, thanks so much. You know, I've I've never thought about that before. I think I think I'll switch. <laughs> you so you're know? saying Carl was still wearing a cape back then? <laughs> I was I was absolutely in a cape, and I was letting everybody knew that I, know that I was in a cape, and uh, and it would have said C. You know, it would have said C for Christian. I was a you know kind of a uh, in my in my mind kind of a, a budding Christian celebrity. I was going to be the next the next Billy Graham, and, and I say this with a bit of tongue in cheek now and making fun of it, obviously, but. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to. I don't want to be too sarcastic about it because I think I think our intentions were good and our hearts were as pure as they could have been, which probably not very pure, but as, <laughs> as pure as they could have been. Right. And 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 we were doing a good thing. We, we joined a, a well-known mission agency called Frontiers, which I have a lot of respect for. Uh, and so we were kind of vineyard church planters, Frontiers uh, people, and uh, and it just and it wasn't working. Hmm. You know, I mean, it just I mean, it literally wasn't working. I'm, actually pretty good. I'm very persuasive. I'm a good evangelist. Uh, and converting Muslims to Christianity wasn't working. And it caused a real crisis of faith. It was kind of a crisis of 
philosophy of ministry initially, and then it became a crisis of personal faith because of what you're giving your life to. I mean, we'd sold everything we had in beautiful Colorado Springs and moved to Beirut, Lebanon, right after 16 years of civil war. The house we lived on, lived in had bullet holes all over the walls, had one corner of it was bombed out. I mean, it was hmm. hardcore, intense stuff, and we'd given our life for this thing, which wasn't working. Hmm. You know, and so that makes you kind of, I mean, if you're willing to think about stuff, that makes you kind of go, huh, that's interesting. You know, yeah. I wonder what's going on. You know, so. well, who do you even talk to about those questions when you're in the middle of Lebanon? Well, that's it, and that's, you know, the, 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 the what you call your podcast, you know, and relates to that. I mean, questions and asking questions always feels dangerous and always feel, it makes you feel very vulnerable. And, uh, and we don't like to be confused, especially if you're a go-getter and you're, and you're thinking that you're not confused. I mean, I wasn't thinking I was confused. No, I wasn't confused by anything. Christianity <laughs> is the right, right religion and Islam is wrong. Muslims are going to hell. Christians go to heaven and there is a savior. His name is Jesus. And you know, they should accept him as their Lord, personal savior and pray the sinner's prayer and get saved. And then they'd go to heaven. And I mean, that was kind of my narrative in a nutshell. And again, with, you know, and I'm not, and I'm actually not demeaning that I actually still believe by the way, that Jesus is the only way to salvation. I'm still evangelical in my, in my, not all, not all my social or political leanings, but in my uh, understanding of the Bible, I'm actually very conservative and uh, probably one of the more conservative people you'll have People are surprised by that because I come across as being quite liberal and open-minded because socially I am very accepting. I want everybody to come in, but theologically I'm an exclusivist. I actually think there is no other way unless you have an understanding of Jesus as your as your uh, atoning sacrifice on the cross, paid for sins, all that kind of stuff. I'm actually really conservative. Sorry to shock you there, Jeff. <laughs> it's okay. I'm accustomed. I'm accustomed to being shocked. Go for it. So, so while I held all those things to be true, I was still realizing that Muslims aren't converting to Christianity. And, and so it was very confusing because I knew that I knew what I knew was true and yet it wasn't happening. So then there's only a couple possibilities. One is that all Muslims are really difficult, hard hearted, mean people. and They just don't, they don't want to become Christians. But I, but that didn't seem like that was true because most, all the Muslims I knew were actually really nice. And we're like the most hospitable people I'd ever met. And they didn't seem hard-hearted at all. So that, even though I'd kind of been taught that through my missions training, that Muslims were really difficult. And they're like this hard, difficult, unreached people group, you know, that you have to give 30 years of your life to convert one person. I mean, that was kind of the training I'd had. But I didn't see that to be true. Hmm. Uh, another possibility was I should be a universalist. And in which case, what am I doing here? You know, because if Muslims are fine and they're going to heaven just like all the rest of us are eventually, then great. Well, then let them carry on with that. Why am I talking to them about Jesus? So that I, I entertained that for about five minutes. I just realized that's, that's actually stupid. I mean, that's just bad. <laughs> and and I, I want to be a universal. I always tell people that's my, my dream. My, my dream in life is that universalism is actually true, <laughs> that, mm -hmm. that we get to heaven and there's Osama bin Laden right at the gates welcoming <laughs> me in. And da -da, he's he's safe somehow between, you know, when he got shot in the head by the Navy SEAL guy Oof. until now, sometime in there, you know, he uh, he got saved and he went to heaven. I hope that's true. May that be true. I just don't think it's true. And uh, and I and I don't want to bank on that being true and be and be wrong. So 
So I got rid of the universalist idea. Muslims are nice. That's not true, that they're hard. Uh, universalism is, I think, just bad theology. Um, and so it kind of comes down to maybe there was something wrong with me, the way what I was saying, what I was doing, how I was. So I actually went back to the Gospels and the Scriptures and just searched again. And I, st- I actually found some shocking things. Uh, this is crazy, but I realized for the first time, I'm 30 31 years old, 32 years old, right in there, been in Beirut for a year or two. And I realized that, A, Jesus wasn't even a Christian. He was, Jew- he was Jewish. That thought had never hit me before, that Jesus wasn't a Christian. <laughs> He's right. a Jewish guy, 100% Jewish. Jesus, not American. He's not white. He's not Republican. He's also not Democrat, but it's more interesting to say he's not Republican. You know? so, <laughs> You're just tearing off all the charade today, aren't you? You're just letting it, let it loose. <laughs> let's, let's just go. You know, I mean, Jesus isn't the, the nice white Christian guy that I have in my head. He's a brown-skinned, uh, short, hooked-nosed uh, Palestinian Jew from the Middle East, and he's not, he's not a Christian, and he did not start a religion called Christianity. I mean, he just he didn't. I mean, there's actually not even a, there's actually not even a hint of him starting a religion called Christianity. That's what's so ironic about when we preach Christianity. <clears throat> the funny thing about that is, I mean, among about a million things, mm-hmm. is that, that Jesus, the one that we all say we believe in and follow, our friend, Lord, King, Master, Savior, God, he he wasn't Christian and he didn't start the religion that we now all belong to. He, he, didn't, start, he didn't mention the name. Uh, it's mentioned once in Acts. It said they were called Christians in Antioch. Uh, we, so we don't know who called them Christians, but probably as a derogatory negative term. But somebody called them, you know, little little Christs, which is what Christian actually means. And uh, but Jesus never used that word, and he he didn't he didn't he didn't show up saying, "Man, this old religion that I started a couple thousand years ago called Judaism, it's really not working." And so I'm going to start a new one. And I'm going to name it after my last name, Christ, <laughs> you know, which isn't his last name, by the way. So, well, you know, isn't that funny? You no, know, the last time I heard someone talk, my friend always had a bumper sticker that said, God's last name isn't damn it. That's the only time I've heard God's last name talked about that. But look, one of your books you wrote, and speaking of Jesus, I, I kind of heard you, some people were giving you a hard time. Um, we've already heard you like to say sort of provocative things to get people thinking, but, um, sometimes they were kind of challenging you. You were making some, you make a delineation between the idea of being a Christian, like Christianity, like you're talking about now. And then the idea of being a follower of Jesus and, um, you know, you're, was it just semantics or is there an important difference there? Like, what is it you ended up responding to that with? Well, yeah, I mean, that's where, that's the logical outflow of what I what I what I was saying that if if in fact Jesus didn't come to start a new religion called Christianity which he which he didn't do I mean that's I don't even know how you could argue against that point he he, he came to start a new way he came uh, to bring a new kingdom that there's lots of things that you could say Jesus came to do that, that he did come to do that he talked about all the time like the kingdom of God is now here and he's the king of this kingdom like that's a really clear thing in scripture, right? But I've come to start a new religious system called Christianity. That is for sure not in the Bible. So if that's not in the Bible, then calling ourselves a Christian doesn't actually make sense because a Christian is an adherent 
to Christianity, kind of like a Muslim is to Islam, or a Jew, you call a Jew, a Jew, a Jew is a person who follows the religion of Judaism, or a Hindu is to Hinduism, a Christian is to Christianity. And so if that's the case, if the, if the religion of Christianity, and I'm not down on that at all. I mean, I think as far as religions goes, it's probably in the top three. You know? it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a religion, you know, and so great. If you want to be religious, then that's fine. I mean, I'm, I go to church on, on Sundays, so and I sit in a chair, and we listen to a guy talk to us for a half an hour, and we have 22 and a half minutes of singing that we call worship. And then we pass a basket, we put our money in there. That's Christianity. And there's actually nothing bad about that. Actually, we go every weekend, and we're part of a church. I love the local church. I'm a big fan. I'm a believer in people being committed to that. And so that's part of the religion called Christianity. It's just not, just don't confuse that with Jesus. So so the reason why I call myself a follower of Jesus and not a Christian is because I'm actually following Jesus. Hmm. And so why not just say that? Why not say the thing that you have to end up explaining anyway? If you go out... Right now, like if everybody that was listening to this, this is actually a fun thing to do. I don't know if anybody would do this, but whoever's listening to this, if you, if you, uh, after, you know, if, if you make it through this podcast, you know, before, <laughs> before throwing down your headphones in disgust and anger, you know, if you'd walk out like and ask five people on the streets of whatever town you live in, uh, something about Christianity, maybe say something like, uh, you know, hey, just doing a little random personal survey here. I'm searching, kind of thinking about stuff. Hey, what do you think about Christianity? You know, just I mean, say it positively so you don't lead them down a negative path. Just say, hey, what do you think about Christianity? For instance, I'm thinking about Christianity. What do you think about Christianity? So something like that. Mm-hmm. Ask five people or ten people. Now, if they're Christians, if they're church-going Christians, they might say something positive about it, you know, I assume. But if they're not, the things that they will say that Christianity is, isn't what we're thinking about. So that, so I almost guarantee you they will not say, wow, Christianity. When I think of Christianity, I think of people who love God, whose hearts have been changed by Jesus, who serve the poor and orphans and take care of widows. I, gu- I guarantee you they will not say that. I gu- in fact, if somebody says that who's not a Christian, somebody says that, uh, please email me and I'll send you $100. <laughs> All right. I, I'm, I'm serious. I, they will not say that. So what they will say is they'll, they'll say something about hypocrisy. They'll say something about money. They'll say something about um, certain political values, about who we're against, what we're against. But mostly they'll be about things that they think Christians are against, you know, the things that they think we're against. So why would you ever use a word that for sure doesn't communicate what you're about? I mean, even if that is your politics, like let's say I'm anti-gay marriage and I'm pro-life. Let's just say that, for instance. Then, and then, and then you say Christianity, and they say that. Well, that might be your politics. Actually, that could be your politics. But that's not. But that's not the point of what Jesus was talking about. I mean, he he actually didn't talk about either one of those issues ever, not one time. So, so in that case, you know, it's just it's a classic case of missing the point. I would rather say. I'm a follower of Jesus. And they go, a follower of Jesus, what religion is that? And then you say, well, it's not a religion. Why well, are you a Christian? I used to be. That's what I say. I used <laughs> to be. Or, or I'll say, well, that's actually my, my heritage. My religious heritage is Christian. Is, is that what you're asking? My religious heritage? Yeah, that's Christian. But who I am, what I do, how I think, what I believe is Jesus. And I, and I want to follow him because, man, he is amazing. I don't know if you ever met Jesus before. He is 
He's freaking amazing. Mm. I mean, do you know the things that he said and did? You know who he pissed off all the time with, <laughs> were religious people. Religious people hated Jesus. Mm. And, well, you know, so that, that's pretty provo- that's provocative in the best and most hopeful way I could ever think of being provocative. Yeah, and one of the things I think is interesting is, you know, you you clearly have developed a real trust for Jesus and a, an affection for him. And in one of your other books, Adventures and Saying Yes, um, you know, I loved the first chapter. You just, it was, it's just called Fear is Scary. Um, and what I think is interesting is it seems like your trust and your, I don't, I'm reading into this, but it seems like your confidence in being a follower of Jesus seems to be kind of reinforced by adventures you've taken and, and trying to follow him and that he's come through for you in ways that have just really reinforced the dynamics of your relationship with him. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's a, like, like you and I, Jeff, we could say now that we know each other. So we, uh, we've talked on the phone now talking this way. Uh, you know, we've read some stuff, uh, your friends with some of my friends and vice versa. So if somebody says to me, uh, do you know this guy, Jeff Blackburn, that does some podcasts and some other stuff? I think he lives in Indiana or something. I would say, oh, yeah, 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 I know Jeff. And so actually that's true, right? I mean, I do know you and vice versa. You do, you do know me. But there's levels of knowing. So I think a lot of people who would call themselves Christians, for instance, would say, of course I know Jesus. And then if I ask them, why do you think Jesus focused so much on calling himself the son of man? They would have no idea how to answer that. If I were to ask them, you know, so what's the most important teaching that Jesus gave? Clearly. I mean, it's actually a real easy thing to answer because he said, this is the thing that summarizes everything. What's the answer? I mean, it's the great commandment. So some people will get that answer. Or if I ask, why does he always say, love your enemies? Why does he focus so much on worrying about, he talks about your enemies actually a lot. I mean, it's one of his biggest topics. Uh, People wouldn't know why or that he even did that maybe. Or what's the number one subject Jesus talks about? He talks about money more than anything else. And and then I want to know, why is that? Hmm. Uh, what, is the ser- what is the Sermon on the Mount? What are, what are the three or four main themes of his most important teaching ever in Matthew 5, 6, and 7? How many parables? Jesus told 45 stories that changed the world. Do you know 10? of? I mean, imagine God in all of his wisdom— I mean, imagine God a hundred gazillion years ago, uh, up wherever he was talking to himself or however we say that, (laughs) and, and, uh, and the father pulls over the son and says, okay, here's the deal, son. Uh, we're going to send you down to this, this planet. Uh, now they're, you know, just dinosaurs there or whatever you think about that. (laughs) And uh, whoops, whoops, sorry, never mind. (laughs) And, uh, but soon there's going to be some people that look, you know, sort of like, actually you, Jesus, it's interesting. And we're going to, we, you are going to go down there and you're going to spend just a couple years with them. And, uh, and you're going to teach them and you're going to tell them 45 random stories that don't make any sense. That's our strategy. (laughs) That's the strategy. That's strong. (laughs) Strong game. He's he's got some serious game there. I mean, think about that. And then think, do do, do they rehearse? Like, did he re- rehearse the parable of the prodigal son, Luke 15? Did he? Did it start out with three three daughters? Did it start out with, uh, you know, the oldest son obviously asking for the inheritance because the younger son asking doesn't even make any sense. Mm. I mean, does he rehearse it? Does he boil it down or is it spontaneous? I mean, does it just come out of his mouth? I mean, 
Yeah, all of a sudden he thinks, you know, by the way, there was a man, a wealthy man, a wealthy patriarch who had two sons. And the youngest son, while the father was still alive, asked for his half of the inheritance. I mean, did it, did it just come out like that spontaneously? I don't know. And mm-hmm. do we think about that? And why did Jesus speak in parables? The, the scripture actually tells us why. So we won't understand. And then <laughs> do you understand? Do you understand why Jesus would say, I'm speaking in random stories that you don't understand so that you don't understand? Why did he do that? <laughs> See, I never, I didn't know any of that. I, I'd never, I'd been a Christian all my life. My dad's a pastor. I'm an ordained pastor. And anything I just now said, which all those were off the top of my head, I didn't know the answer to any of those. That's because I wasn't following Jesus. I was following my religion. Well, I'm interested by that because you're talking about these parables Jesus told and how he would do things that didn't make sense. And then I see you in your life, actually, as you begin to follow Jesus, it seems like even the circumstances that it took you to didn't make sense. Like I remember, I don't know if you remember the story, but you tell a story about, um, I don't know if it just ends up being like a tent revival or something, but you're basically talking about Jesus in a Muslim community. Is that, uh, do you yeah. call the story? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the, the fact that you call that tent revival is hilarious. <laughs> I don't think we're allowed to say that. That sounds like, uh, 1950s Oral Roberts Pentecostalism. I love it. Look, you're the one that said you wanted to be Billy Graham, okay? I didn't say (laughs) that. (laughs) That was my closest, uh, actually, that was my closest uh, near Billy Graham stint of of all time. Yeah, so we actually ended up having this this tent where I traveled around southern Lebanon, the Shiite uh, Hezbollah-controlled area of Lebanon for for a few years, uh, preaching to huge crowds, actually, and just talk, talking straight up about Jesus. And one of the formative moments was uh, I actually ended up in a mosque because the tent was rained out. It was a real rainy day. So the, the local imam, the Muslim leader, asked me if I'd want to speak that night in his mosque. So, so imagine this. Imagine that. The, the Muslim imam of that city in the south of Lebanon near the Israeli border came to me and said, uh, Mr. Carl, would you like to come uh, preach about Jesus tonight in my mosque? Can, I mean, can you imagine how could that mm. even happen? And I, I actually don't know the answer to that. It just it did. It just <laughs> happened. You know, I don't know why he did that, but he did. And then right before I got up to speak, his mosque was packed full of about 300, 300 Shiite Muslims. Uh, right before I got up to speak, he ran up behind me and tapped me on the shoulder. He said, Mr. Carl, Mr. Carl, one thing, one thing, just one thing. And I assumed he was going to say, you know, uh, never mind. This is ridiculous. Of course, you can't preach about Jesus in my mosque. You know, <laughs> right. what, what are you thinking? It was all a joke. <laughs> but what he said was, uh, one thing, please do not speak about Christianity, just mm-hmm. Jesus. And then he sat back down. And my head was just, this was early, this was like in the midst of this transition that I talked about a few minutes ago, you know, where I'm kind of thinking, what's going on here? Is it Christianity? Is it Jesus? Is it all Is it all a farce? Do I even believe? I mean, what, what's going on? And so when he said that, it was just, I mean, you know, God used a Muslim imam to speak prophetically. I don't know a better word to say than prophetically to me mm. at that moment to say, I don't even know what he meant by that. I don't know what he was thinking he meant when he said that. But all I know is what I heard was, Carl, Christianity is not the answer. Christianity does not save you. It does not rescue us. It does not set our path right. It does not bring justice and peace and all good things to the world. It does sometimes, by the way. It does sometimes. And actually, the history of Christianity is full of good things and full of wonderful churches, full of wonderful people doing wonderful things. But that's because those people love Jesus. It's not Christianity. It's Jesus. And and so 
we know that, right? I mean, if you're any kind of a Bible-believing, uh, I don't know, serious Christian kind of person, evangelical or not, whatever, I mean, if I say to you, hey, Jesus is the answer, we go, yeah, I know I have that bumper sticker too. I mean, we know Jesus is the answer. And then we go right off and forget it. And we start talking about Christianity. And I'm just trying to say, well, let's just, let's talk about the thing that we're talking about. Let's not go around, let's not be around the bush. Let's just say, Jesus is awesome. <laughs> well, you're, you're saying Jesus is awesome. I'm tracking with you, but uh, I mean, what was that reality? You get invited into a mosque, but I also, you know, Jesus is awesome. But, in, you know, we have a lot of stereotypes here about Middle Eastern Arab Muslims. You know, are they really just the enemy? I mean, were there were you well received all the time or was, did you ever feel threatened while you were there? I was well received most of the time. And uh, I would say if we do percentages, I'm more well-received in a Muslim mosque than I am in a Christian church in America. Because <laughs> <laughs> if I start talking about this stuff in some Christian churches, my own Christian churches, my own brand of, of you know, evangelical Christianity, uh, you know, there's people that kind of lean back, their arms fold over their chest, and they kind of scowl a little bit like, you know, what's this guy talking about? Why is he dissing, why is he dissing our religion? <laughs> And so I, I say, yes, I'm actually, I am dissing our religion for the point of lifting up Jesus, who is supposedly the point of our religion. So I think it's okay. I think, again, it's on sound conservative uh, theological ground. But no, actually, the, the stereotypes we have of Muslims are the same stereotypes they have of us. If you ask Ali, the Muslim in Baghdad, Iraq, and who has never traveled out of Iraq in his life, and if you ask Ali, hey, Ali, what do you think about Christians, Ali would say, well, so he'd say something about America. Uh, he'd say something about, you know, I don't know, America, um, you know, being uh, uh, being uh, kind of a warring country, about America having lots of pornography. Um, and you say, no, no, I'm not talking about America. I'm talking about Christianity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd say, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so America... You know, they, at Starbucks and McDonald's. No, no, Ali, I'm talking about Christianity, not America. Christianity. What, what do you think about Christianity? He said, yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. And then the Pope. And then you go, aha, he's not even American. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's not American. He's, mm -hmm. I don't know where he's from. But. So they get it all. They get bad families, uh, divorce rates, gang warfare, uh, pornography, uh, you know, militarism, imperialism, colonialism, the Catholic Church. Uh, and Game of Thrones probably thrown in there, <laughs> you know. I right. mean, it all it all get mixed up in this thing that they're thinking is Christian. So they do to us exactly what we do to them. So they see this stuff. They have TV. The whole world now has internet <laughs> and TV. So what? Yeah, you know, what a brilliant thing. So we export all of our stuff uh, to to the rest of the world, and they look at it and they think it's a, came from America, Hollywood, LA, whatever. So it must be Christian. It's what we do to them. And so we see stuff on TV. We see Muslims blowing stuff up, and we just see people that look like they're always angry about something. We're not sure what they're angry about. But so the 0.01% of Muslims who are doing crazy things, who they are doing crazy things, uh, we think they're all ISIS or they're all Al Qaeda or they're all terrorists because that's what the news, that's what the news talks about. That's what the news focuses on. Hmm. So. They do to us what we do to them. So that's so no, 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 that's not true. Muslims are the most wonderful people in the world. Muslims are now I'm not a fan of the religion. I don't even like my own religion. So I don't 
I mean, if I don't like my religion, Christianity, I'm sure not going to like theirs. You're an equal so, opportunity hater of religion. Is that what I'm exactly, saying? Exactly. <laughs> I am. And I think, and I think I, I excuse myself from, you know, for hating religions because of Jesus. He was really, really hard on religious zealot, zealotry. He did not like religious zealots. I just read this morning, you know, um, Matthew 6, verse 1. I was actually uh, sharing this verse with somebody else just a couple hours ago. Uh, and the first, you know, verse, it's interesting. All the first verses of the Sermon on the Mount are pretty powerful. 7 1 says, do not judge. That's, that's a pretty powerful verse. 6 1 just says, don't, don't do your righteous deeds in front of men so they will see, but do it in secret so your Father in heaven will approve. And if you, and it goes on to say, if you do it in front of men, you'll get your reward now, but you won't have your reward in heaven. So whatever that means. I mean, in other words, God's just saying, don't show off. Don't be a religious show off. And again and again and again, don't pray loudly on the street corners like those Pharisees do, but go into your closet and close your door and pray in secret so your Father in heaven, who will hear you in secret, will reward you in public. I mean, again and again and again and again, religious religiousness is is given a pretty hard time by Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so why would we why would we go that? Why would we go that route? Why would we go down the religious route when Jesus clearly says not to do that? So no, Muslims uh, so so Islam does do that, like Christianity does do that. They, they tend to tout their religiousness in front of men, which is unfortunate. And that's what religions do. But but Muslim people are wonderful people. They're wonderful uh, God-fearing uh, want to get to heaven, want to do what's right, want to raise good families kind of people. And they're, uh, they're misunderstood like we are. And it's because we get our information from the media. Unfortunately, that's, that's all. We, but if you know, you know, you know, Jeff, you know, some Muslims, when you actually get to know them personally, they're yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Well, it is hard when you, when you talk to people so often you're, you know, you're talking about a caricature, not a, not real people. Right. And so right. it does, it would behoove anyone to, why don't you just start with meeting someone in person? Like, let's exactly. start there. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We just had, we had dinner, my wife, Chris and I had dinner last night with a Syrian, a Syrian family here in Dubai who are from Aleppo and were, were driven out. Actually, the father was kidnapped by one of the rebel forces and threatened with his life and they extorted money from him. And then they threatened to kidnap his daughters. Anyway, they fled for their lives with nothing but what they had with them uh, four years ago. Ended up in Dubai. He was a very rich, very successful businessman. Now they're here in Dubai with nothing. And Mm. their house has been destroyed and all their money, their factories are all gone. And uh, we were just at their house last night, spent a couple hours with them. And it's just uh, they're wonderful people with a real live actual story of what it means to be a refugee, what it means to flee a war, and they're so and they're hurt. They feel they they feel disowned by, of course, first their own country in some ways, their own people, and then they try to get a visa to America and can't. And and they're just the and they just said to us last night with almost with tears in their eyes, they're just like, why, why, why doesn't anybody trust us? And they're like, they're honestly the nicest family. Their three daughters, English is better than mine. They go to American schools. Two of them are, are in American universities, studying to be a chem- chemical engineer and a lawyer. Mm. And really bright, really bright people. Very modern. Um, and yet they're refugees. And so when we think of refugees, Muslim refugees from Syria, 
you kind of think, oh, I don't know, they could be, you know, they could be infiltrators with ISIS. Well, yeah, I mean, some could be that actually. So whoever those three people are, we probably <laughs> probably best not to let, you know, we shouldn't let those three in. Yeah. But the rest are just like this family last night. They just they ran out of the country with the clothes on their back, and they are they're political refugees, and they're very very uh, uh, professional, uh, well spoken, uh, well educated people that would be a benefit to anybody's society. But but we don't know that because we're afraid of them. Fear 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 is our enemy. Fear yeah. is the number one enemy. I think of uh, all things that are of Jesus. Yeah, and I think you know. I mean, you're one of the few people that I I've heard say the same thing that, you know, fearless questions. We go with that saying that you know the Bible does say that perfect love drives out fear, but that fear drives out love too. And that yeah. how can you love something you're afraid of? Um, yeah, you know, and um, and I've also heard you talk about the fact that sometimes we try and you know we explain all this stuff away because we're insecure about what we believe, what we don't believe. We don't we're not sure sometimes, and we. We, we hide behind that. But, um, you know, what, yeah. are the, what are the questions you wish people were asking? I mean, one of the things we do here is we want to not be afraid of the, of the questions. And, you know, you're, you're around the world engaging this on the front lines. Like, what do you wish people were asking? I, I just wish people were asking more questions about Jesus. I, I mean, I, I sometimes I'm thought of as the Muslim guy, but I don't want to be the Muslim guy. I want to be the Jesus guy. And uh, Jesus loves Muslims. And so when when you get to know Jesus, you end up loving Muslims. Jesus loves refugees. So when you get to know Jesus, you end up loving refugees. Uh, I think we make a mistake. We often bypass Jesus and we go to loving refugees or loving immigration, or my big passion in life is, you know, helping Christians understand Muslims. Whenever we go to the cause, we get the we get the cart in front of the horse. Yeah. Uh, in this analogy, the horse is Jesus, just, just to be clear, <laughs> in, case, in case you missed that. <laughs> so, a really good horse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a really, really good horse, a big, strong horse, um, a black Arabian stallion, probably. Um, so, so yeah, I think I, I just wish people were asking more questions about Jesus, the the why questions. I mean, you know, so a Muslim will say to me sometimes, I don't think Jesus died on the cross. Muslims typically don't believe in the crucifixion. And, uh, you know, every Christian will say, well, of course he died on the cross. And then we'll spew out some doc- doctrine of the atonement, which I which I generally believe. But they'll just kind of they'll just kind of say it or they'll talk about the Trinity. You know, they just say, well, I believe in the Trinity. But I don't think we ask the why questions enough. So the question isn't, did Jesus die on the cross? The question is why, why would he have died on the cross? I mean, if he died on the cross, why, why did he call himself the King and the King of what? And the King of who? And who's in his kingdom? And why is the title son of man so powerful? In my opinion, more powerful than the title son of God. Why is that? What does that even mean? I mean, I just wish we would ask deep. I think it's especially in the tradition I came from, and I think you did too, Jeff. The kind of an evangelical Bible teaching, believing tradition. Mm-hmm. You are taught, you're taught stuff, you're taught information. We call it doctrine, and then you just kind of check off on that. You check those boxes, and you say, "Yep, I believe that." So, yeah, I believe the Trinity. I believe, you know. So we believe all these doctrinal boxes, and, and actually, and I actually still do. I I believe. I would say almost all the doctrine I grew up with, I still believe. I just don't believe it for the same reasons I believed it before. <laughs> like you're not planning to, I always want to, you know, keep a number two pencil next to me so I can get the Scantron right when I get to the gates of heaven, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah, that's a good way to say it. So I just think I want us to be asking questions 
about Jesus, about who he was, why he said what he said, why you should be asking why did he speak in parables? Mm-hmm. What was the point of that? And uh, why why was he only here for three years? Why did he only choose twelve people? Uh, and why, after three years of being Jesus and preaching like crazy, does it seem like only about five hundred people even really believed in him? That's actually not very good. I mean, he's <laughs> you know, as a church planter, he'd be middle of the road. Yeah, his know? conversion so, rates are not where they need to be. They're not that good, <laughs> you know. And baptism was way down, and and uh, being filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking of the tongues, according to my tradition of Pentecostalism, was really poor, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know. What's up with that? That, that? That's the questions I want people to be asking. Uh, Mr. Carl, I love you, man. <laughs> I love what you're doing. I love that uh, you're chasing after Jesus. You're saying yes to the adventure of following him. And um, yeah, I just hope, I hope people are listening. Check out your uh, Um and simply jesusgathering.com are those the two best places yeah. for people to check out or follow along with. I don't know if you're still yeah. blogging a lot or mostly just writing yeah. and speaking or. Yeah, I mean, I, I I supposedly blog once a week, so you, you'll you'll see how you'll see how that's going when you check it out on my website. But uh, <laughs> I, I I blog when I have something passionate that I really actually want to say, and and Facebook and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. I do I do that as well. I probably do that a little bit more. It always seems more manageable. But but I'd really like you to check out. I mean, my website at carlmaderas sends you to books and other stuff. But the simply Jesus thing. Mm. Is is just so much. You need to come, Jeff. This summer, you would it's, love it. I saw it in July. I might be trying to do it yeah. this year. It hasn't worked out yet. But is this the third year you've yeah. done it? This is the fourth year. The fourth year. And okay. we've kind of we've kind of settled in on this ranch up near Vail, Colorado. It's just it's gorgeous. It's so it's it's kind of like a big Jesus party at a <laughs> ranch, and so people can camp for free. All the foods there. We all uh, we all eat together, and all the speakers. And we have great speakers every year. They're there the whole time. They don't just come in and speak and leave, and they're accessible. They're just right there with us, you know, the whole time. So cool. it's open it's to anybody. It's a really fun time. It's open to anybody. Yeah, it's not. I mean, we we kind of pretend that it's for leaders, but we let people decide <laughs> if they're a leader or not. You know, if, if you think you're a leader, then then come on over. <laughs> uh, Carl, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah. I just really appreciate it. And I, I hope people do check your stuff out and. Uh, Just keep on doing what you're doing, man. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. All right. Cheers.